All right, Sam. So I guess we unfortunately have to move past Whoopi Goldberg, although I'm trying to think if I can make one more point about something, <laughs> anything, but I can't. So let's move on to our next story about Johan Harry. Why don't you first tell us a little bit about this gentleman, his recent book, and then we'll get into the more interesting parts, perhaps. Of course, of course. I must say it has been uh, it has been a very, very interesting and exciting yeah. week with Whoopi coming out with her new bit and then yeah. Yohan Harry. And, oh, well, just giving a very brief introduction to the gentleman, although I don't want to spoil too many things as we discussed the two art, fantastic articles mm-hmm. by these two writers, which I hope... You're not saying that to- ironically. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. The articles are fantastic. Yeah. The article, uh, but the book that uh, the <laughs> author has, yeah, that's a different story. I would love to have one of these guys, by the way, if we actually yeah, yeah. be willing to come on our, on our channel, because I thought their criticisms was, and I haven't been, so, Johan Harry, he, he's an author who recently had a book out about uh, our attention and how our attention is under attack by the great and powerful algorithm and social media companies. But that's not it. It goes beyond social media, as he Mm -hmm. says. And this guy has written books before. Personally, I knew him from his uh, writings on psychology, depression, and environment. And while in his interviews, he came across as a very reasonable man, when you do read his books, you find out he's not very reasonable. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those authors that... uh, write about scientific stuff in a very magazine-y, op- opinion-eddy, uh, New York Times-y way, which I despise, yeah. which is you write about a scientific issue with like some very little knowledge, as Alexander Pope would, it, uh, would put it, that you know, there you, you know some stuff and you just use that to construct these bullshit arguments that, in my view, bullshit arguments that are actually not very nuanced, even though they pretend to be. So, He's an author. He's a study at Cambridge, I believe. He's a journalist. I mean, right? I mean, kind of. Author slash journalist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, And his recent book, he decided to write his book after it came to his attention that he can't focus very well. And a lot of young people are working on this Snapchat Uh uh, attention time, whatever, whatever he says that. And uh, th- I'm so glad that we were on to him early. I mean, this is like, I mean, if this channel ever, you know, <laughs> we grow beyond the five subscribers that we have, uh, I would love it if like that would be something we associated to it with, which I called him out uh, very early on. We read an ar- article that was a part excerpt. Excerpt? So we didn't decide. Excerpt of his the, book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's the correct pronunciation on that one? <laughs> so... Whatever Camier said of his book, and and we already made quite a lot of fun of him. Uh, he was the guy. If anybody has seen our video before, he was the guy who outed his godson as a porn addict <laughs> and <laughs> went on to. I mean, he like somebody we will discuss later in this video. Some uh, very mysterious guy. Mm-hmm. He's also very good at hiding people's identities yeah. in a way that nobody would figure it out except anybody who reads the article yeah he so, pretty much yeah. he changed his godson's <laughs> last name but then you know he yeah. mentions as his godson so anybody who knows the author himself <laughs> whose name appeared on the article can easily know who the hell he's talking about so yeah exactly. <laughs> he yeah, didn't do much service. yeah dropped and, out of his school at age nine porn addict disgusting and, yeah. a snapchat <laughs> 
And he's like blaming social media on like the son on his on his godson being distracted. And then the, yeah. he names three things. I think one of them was Snapchat, if I'm not mistaken. But then the second one is porn, which is yeah. not really social media. And then the third one is WhatsApp, which is not really a social media outlet in the same way. You know, you, you yeah, chit chat I mean, your friends. Yeah. So he couldn't even back it with like a proper anecdotal example that made sense. And we'll get back to the anecdotalness of oh his whole hey, argument. Hey. So porn is very social media, depending (laughs) on what website. (laughs) I guess so. It was just, he's fantastic. And then he's, you know, I I was thinking this, he's an example of how far you can get with a British accent. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's just, if you have a good posh British accent, you can get very far. You can just go, you know, our attention isn't being, isn't, it's not your fault. <laughs> Attention is under attack from all sides, social media, but it goes beyond that. And the key thing to understand is that your attention didn't collapse, right? We keep thinking, I thought, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not mm. strong enough. My willpower isn't strong enough. Your attention didn't collapse. Your attention has been stolen from you by a really big range of forces. We've got to understand what those forces are, and they range quite widely. There's some aspects of our tech, it's not all of our tech, but they range from the food we eat, which is ruining our focus, to the sleep we no longer get, to the hours we overwork and exhaust ourselves. Crystal, yeah. uh, you know, it goes beyond that. So, you know, it can get you very far. Just try, yeah. instead of studying, going to university, <laughs> like this stupid person has done, you should really focus on changing your accent. Anyway, a British I, accent has a lot of weight. You You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. Even, like, the, yeah. I An American one story. doesn't have the same impact uh, whatsoever. Yeah. Me, the Atlantic one, if you <laughs> can go full, uh, what's his name? What was his name? The guy, Gorvidal's, uh, Gor- mm-hmm. Al- no, Gorvidal's enemy. Buckley, Buckley. I'm going to go full Buckley. I'm from New York. Does that still right exist, now. though? I feel like that's gone. I, there are probably a couple of people <laughs> in Upper State, New York. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's I, a more, more, more of a teach than accent. Really. Sorry, <laughs> but, I want yeah. to also point out the one <laughs> crucial aspect of his argument, which is that it's not that, okay, people have problem focusing now, but Back in the day, people used to focus a lot more. And one of the professors that you sent me an article points out that in the book, he provides no such evidence (laughs) that people's focus has, you know, has deteriorated because you can, you know, because, okay, fine. Maybe people don't have too much focus now, but it (laughs) probably was the case back then. There are different kinds of distractions, but he provides no evidence. And we haven't been able to read the book, although we read the little extract Arts, from it and, and also extracts. the professor who actually read the article he points out you know he has a book. nice line the book where he says there's no evidence provided there's <laughs> some shady one and the funny part is that some studies that he ref- that he refers to the Are authors so have come out of it the authors have come and tweeted that this guy has misread misrepresented misrepresented their study completely and it doesn't say at all what it's saying and sorry did you point out how he had like it's not plagiarism issues. He had like beyond plagiarism uh, no, 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 no. issues. Sorry, That's I'm jumping at the gun a bit here. I'm just yeah, getting yeah. excited. Sorry. Let's just start with this. That uh, also, I am very happy that I think it was last week or a week before I said that I hate Breaking Bad, and literally, I think <laughs> Breaking Points. 
Breaking points, whatever. Breaking bad. So, yeah, like, I like that. What does that have to do with anything? clarify, yeah. <laughs> this is going to cause a controversy. I'm doing a whoopee right now. <laughs> no, breaking points because, like, literally, I think it was a day after we recorded that, or it was, it was still in my head. And I saw this guy, my enemy, on breaking points. <laughs> and Crystal going, I've been a huge fan of you for a long time. And I don't know exactly what she was a fan of because the thing this guy is known for, and it is 10 years ago, but he has never fully explained or apologized for any of it. And I'll get to, like, that's what I found out in these articles. Uh, he's been, uh, he's a admitted plagiarist. And he's somebody who has used fake accounts to attack uh, other journalists that are critical of his work not on, wikipedia. on wikipedia and not to also mention that nick cohen among others have alleged that he's he uses his friendships and personal relationship to push us for a good coverage in media and stuff because he's a typical public school boy in my view i, I don't know if he's actually gone to a public school in the uk by the way he's are these school. super posh private schools that like he's got good connections clearly I mean, it seems to be the main thing yeah. he has more than you know anything else but you're right he's been uh, yes his previous work there has been pointed out that he's a plagiarist there has been pointed out that he's used uh, underhanded online tactics to smear his critics and he's Change admitted wikipedia page he's admitted in. but not fully explained mm-hmm. and but <laughs> let yeah, me add that I'm, to that and because of those lies that he said now he put actually like segments of like interviews that he's claimed to done to have done with like professors and whatever to back his book he actually has to put clips of it on his yeah, website exactly. so people <laughs> believe him because he went and like he claimed that he had interviewed these people but he hadn't he just exactly. took their arguments from other places and again these articles that you shared with me one of the professors was saying that he went and listened to some of these audio clips and they didn't really add exactly. up sense <laughs> in what he had written in the book he was like he's just misinterpreting all of it so yeah i mean it's fantastic but i was so happy that you know like i'm i you know like these type of things i hope tells you like breaking points is not a serious operation that's just <laughs> i'm saying if you've been a fan of this guy you know anyway i'm surprised we didn't get any backlash from that last time with our guests maybe with our sorry with our viewers about oh, you know, I've breaking already points. alienated i think so we'll see maybe like, if this time yeah bro, like uh, right now I, I, at the moment i mean you harry he just he brings up this emotion in me this feeling <laughs> that i want to fight uh, not physically of course i would never uh, condone or uh, even think about physical violence but i would i just love this yeah i hope we get some backlash <laughs> but there were two articles both of them in my view very fantastically done one was uh, by stuart ritchie yawn harry's stolen ideas there is a little new evidence in his latest book so that was the first one and i'd like to read some parts from that um shall i start please it, yeah so this article starts with uh what do you get if you repeatedly plagiarize? By the way, reference. I like to point out everything that I read in this article is reference to other things. And definitely check it out. It's on the website. Um, oh, the great, by the way, article title, Unheard, as in heard with mm. an E, as in group of animals. Uh, I, can, I can't find it. Uh, don't worry about it. Through the name, it? they'll be able to find it. All right. Okay. Through the headline, what do you get? Yeah. Or, or what do you get if you repeatedly plagiarize other people's work? 
allegedly fabricate code and spend hours of your life editing the Wikipedia pages of your rivals under an assumed name to make them look bad. Three massive book deals. <laughs> you know, that is so true. Like, that's what he got in the end, right? And uh, in this article, he goes uh, to say, maybe there is nothing wrong with, his tra- with this transformation. He did, after all, apologize after a fashion for the plagiarism and the malicious editing. Perhaps he's now a reformed character worthy of rehabilitation. But as Jeremy Duns has pointed out, Harry has never provided a full account of everything he did wrong. His articles are still online without any flags from newspapers that publish them. And some of them make quite, well, surprising assertions. Mm -hmm. So very fantastic article, which points out his background problem. By the way, my headphone is, I might have to cut that. He goes on to very very, uh, fantastically, he goes on to go into details about, uh, for example, this, like this is from his second book. The neuroscientist Dean Burnett wrote an exasperated critique of an extract from Harry's second book, Lost Connections, which asked, is everything you know about depression wrong? Harry's condemnatory attitude to antidepressant drug, for example, wasn't exactly nuanced. And he made some truly bizarre and bizarrely untrue points, for example, that if your baby dies at 10 a.m., your doctor can diagnose you with a mental illness at 10.01 a.m. and start drugging you straight away. Like, exactly. (laughs) He's just these typical idiots. So again, the writing belongs to op-ed pages of Guardian. I don't know if you get the same feeling or at not most, from his writing. At most. I wouldn't at say best. at most. That is the lowest form of writing <laughs> yeah. opinion. It's so, I mean, I can't think of any worse type. I mean, the ones in the New York Times are some of the worst. Uh, yeah, probably Guardian, everywhere. New York yeah. Times, yeah. Uh, I, I, he point, I think this is the best description of him and his work. Uh, he talks about, this is, uh, I, I'm fast forwarding through the article. He, he, let me see. he talks about that, that despite how true the attention problem seems, see, oh, sorry, sorry. It must be said, and on closer inspection, the people I know who complain the loudest about not being able to focus are people who still have managed to write tons of columns, <laughs> scientific papers, or even books in the past years. Even Harry mentions in passing that he wrote a 92,000 word novel while on his Cape Cod getaway, turning this story from an interesting self-help tale into a grotesque humble brag. I mean, grotesque humble brag is the <laughs> best way to describe this guy. This writer's like, hilarious. Yeah, I, I tried to, you know, you know, Crystal, you know, Crystal, I tried to turn my social studies uh, knowledge into a real <laughs> thing. So I traveled across the world from Moscow to Melbourne to Monaco to uh, what, what other M cities are. Yeah, Please, somebody help all me. All M cities. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. To uh, Matt. Uh, Maloyer. (laughs) (laughs) Iranian city. Maloyer. Iranian village. (laughs) He's visited there too. Uh, Like, like this guy, by the way, like points out, for example, that he talks about this thing that Facebook, you know, Facebook, for example, makes you disconnected from your friends, puts you in groups that puts you in a cul-de-sac. It doesn't allow you to connect with your friends. And well, imagine, imagine if you had, had a feature that you could only contact your close friends. Well, yeah, there is no need to imagine. 
except Facebook does have exactly the feature that Harry claims it doesn't and couldn't exist. It's called nearby friends. It gives you a little map of where your friends are physically at the moment if they have opted in. It's been available since 2014. Uh, a a two-second Google search would have enlightened Harry. Maybe he wrote that part of the book while he was in internet-free isolation because he talks about, oh my God, I created this thing. I put my mobile phone. My mobile phone was in this box and I couldn't, I couldn't like touch this mobile phone and all that so i love this article that he's uh you know he's this this article yeah. unlike the, we talked about the second one this one is more focused on him as a writer i would say yeah the uh-huh. second one is more on the points that like you know that are made in the article so the actual arguments that are made in the book sorry uh yeah and uh, uh, so uh, let me just finish with the last uh paragraph from this article. Despite all this, it seems that the media establishment, especially outside the UK, where his unethical past is less known, just can't get enough of him. His first book is apparently being made into a documentary documentary series presented by Samuel L. Jackson. And from what he said in interviews, more nonfiction is forthcoming, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not to mention the Cape Cod novel. But this is a writer who's shown himself again and again to be either untrustworthy, unoriginal, or uninformed. If he's right to say that our moments of focus are becoming ever more precious, isn't it time we started paying attention to someone, anyone else? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I mean, fantastic. Uh, I would love to, some, they talk to this guy, but really enjoy like uh, because i felt i'm going crazy and you read somebody and you're like okay i'm not mad yeah. uh, he's a grifter and you know he lives in griftopia so you know and i mean why do you think that you know okay a to be serious for a second of course i mean i don't know if you have your phone next to you and all this stuff and you know someone's messaging you or you're checking your emails all the time you will get distracted so i mean i don't nobody's disagreeing that he just the way that he turns it and the narrative and the scientific backing. And on top of that, his thesis that, you know, people are less and less able to focus. It's all of that that turns it into a bullshit thing. But, you know, why do you think that it's so popular? And I think I'm just going to play the clip right now a second from when he goes in this Australian news show and what the anchor says in the beginning. So let's just listen quickly. This really hit home to me, Johan. Today when I was preparing to talk to you, I was so excited to talk to you. Um, I think this topic is absolutely deeply fascinating and urgent. I sat down to read some briefing notes um, that our team had prepared about the book. I listened to you. And yet when I was sitting down to read the notes, um, it probably took me three or four goes to get through it. Um, And I was up and doing other things. And (laughs) what's wrong with me? (laughs) What's wrong with this? So I think it just, it's one of those arguments that he makes that kind of can resonate with everybody it resonates with people easily you know this lady was like yeah i was trying to read my briefing notes this morning the anchor but i couldn't i mean i don't even know what she says if she's saying that she didn't understand or she couldn't focus i don't know which one it is (laughs) but yeah i think he's smart in the thing and of course the hate on social media is the other part of his grifting which you know he claims it's not all about that but you know he's he's like he's he's like No, he's like Jordan Peterson mm. of the left in many ways. I feel very much parallels. He's, I would say, you point out why is this type of thing always has customers? Why does this type of thing has always a big market for it? Because I think 
humans have a tendency to want to feel a living, besides the fact that they want to feel as special, let's put mm-hmm. that aside, they want to feel they live in exceptional times. Mm-hmm. It's always like the Good worst, point. oh my God, it's the worst, it's the worst, or oh my God, this is the best, most yeah. innovative time, most blood time. Uh, like and you see that all throughout history and i think it's the same mindset that attracts people towards end of time cults and mm. uh, you know yeah uh, that of things and as you correctly point out right now if you're a, a slightly middle class liberal it's so chic and invoke to criticize social media yeah. and oh my god it's so fleeting it's so fast as if you know everybody was reading google and yeah. uh, nobokov before the, and the just, advent yeah, of Facebook, plato's you republic know. you know people plato's go republic to dinner parties everywhere. him and his friends right because his other thing that yeah. he connects is only... very anecdotal he's like you know my friend and, and I have been talking and, you know, we can't focus anymore, it seems. Yeah, we, and just like that person read, points out. We used to read Piney the Elder every week. Yeah. Now we can only read tweets. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he's he's a, I mean, I think he's a dishonest actor completely. Uh, but, but that's why I think he's uh, sort of grift has, you know, has a, uh, has a, what do you do? Has customers? Yeah. Has a, you know, it has a market, you know, uh, is, yeah, it's, it's really, truly disgusting. But now I just wanted to go to the yeah, more scientific article by Dr. Matthew Sweet. Uh, so, and it's, uh, by the way, it has starts with a thing that I think this was an addendum or an update on mm-hmm. the story. So let's just start with that. Well, it's a tweet. I was booked to go on BBC Radio 4 uh, p.m., to challenge uh, at John Harry 101 about assertions made in his book. He has pulled out for personal reasons. So I'll just leave a thread about that. my concern about his use of sources. <laughs> I hope someone else will raise these questions. It was Sorry. great. Well, Can you hold on for a second? You thought that you're fed up with this guy. This guy was so pissed off that he couldn't argue with him face to face. Okay, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to write a blog. Yeah. I don't give a yeah. shit. I'm Guru making my thoughts warfare. known. Motherfucker, this is asymmetric warfare at this point. I'm going to come spray this shit on your house or I'm going to build board. I'm not going to let you go. He's like... He's, like, gonna, he's, he's lecturing and there's this guy that he, No, you need to stop. You need to stop. He's just... But yeah. I, 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 I mean... I mean, this guy is a doctor, so I completely understand. And this guy's article was good in a way that because he had ex- extracts from the book. So and he actually read I the book, least... unlike us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although... I, mean, I couldn't get it for free. So yeah. and I'm not going to spend my one month audible credit. on. And we read his book. huge ass long Guardian article. So if you really oh, had yeah, like have facts it. and stuff to, you know, back it up, you yeah, could have included it. it in that <laughs> Guardian article, which we read and dissected before. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's just start with this one. Let's I'm just going to read the first paragraph and then I'm going to fast forward through. Yeah. So a stolen focus, uh, a stolen focus, foc- a stolen focuses book is full of stats, full of references to scientific research. Can its author be trusted to handle this research, not to cherry pick to help his case? I'll let you judge. And then he starts looking at it at case by case examples. For example, uh, he looks at a Carnegie Mellon study. 
uh, a Carnegie uh, in which they studied 126 students uh, and uh, no, uh, Joanna Harry writes that the ones that were uh, allowed to have their phones on and were receiving text messages, they performed 20, 30% yeah. less than others in uh, tasks in whatever tests. And we as a species are losing our yeah. ability to use our brain power. And this is, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Fill in the gaps. But this guy, the doctor, writes, a Carnegie Mellon study sounds neuroscience mm -hmm. sounds conclusive. We imagine a students distracted by their texts and alerts and losing test marks. And then this is that. Everyone who uses a smartphone is reducing their powers of concentration by 20, 30%. Terrifying. Harry doesn't give you a source for this experiment. There is no footnote to follow. So it's hard for the reader to check his working. But here it is. The experiment was commissioned by the authors of a business self-help book called The Plateau Effect. Uh, so it's not peer-reviewed. The, uh, the distracting messages mentioned were sent by, by the experimenters and the subjects were told they contained important information about the test. They had to respond. So it tells you very little, nothing, I would <laughs> yeah. suggest, about the ordinary seduction of the smartphone. So I love I, 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 his passive aggressiveness and condescension, which is completely justified, is awesome. I must say, I, this article was a joy to read. Yeah, I know. This one that, is great. Yeah. But make sure to also read one or two of those tweets by like the scientists that he had used and like referred to. I think they're included in the oh, article. Oh, we are getting there. Yeah. Oh, we are getting does Johan Harry tells us this? No. Instead, he says his, this research suggests that our species, yes, <laughs> our species, is losing 20-30% of its brain power because it uses mobile phones. Is this a reasonable assertion? I would say no. I would call it cherry-picking and uh, exaggeration. I also, uh, this scientist points out that, that uh, the fact that our collective attention is uh, shrinking, uh, the idea has been a part of culture conversation for years and but an average attention span isn't taken seriously by very many academics as you said it is almost impossible to measure it you see and how do you measure the ones in the past even oh yeah i mean that one i think he has a line for it he has like an he has like a sentence or paragraph i should have highlighted myself where he says like it's not even possible to carry out those kind of studies in any case but yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he goes on to write that uh, it was written up in the name. Uh, sorry. It, it, oh, no, I don't have that. No, it's fine. Anyway, continue. I'll get that. Don't worry. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. Yeah. Just one more thing for he, another study, for example, he mentions uh, was written up in the Journal of Nature Communications. The phenomena that the author, cons uh, the phenomena that uh, Johan Harry talks about. The author of the article he has uh, cited concedes lacks a strong empirical foundation. <laughs> but does Yon Harry quote that? No, the paper is, is here uh, uh, and you can take a look at it from the article. So it's, I love the fact that even in his book, this recent book, he's, doing, he's reverted back to his older style. Yeah, I, and sorry, and do I, found do the, the the, 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 I found the sentence I want to read. It was, yeah, it's about Stuart Ritchie. So that's why you couldn't find it. Sorry, it was in the other one. Oh, okay. And Yoan, um, um, sorry, Yoan Harry, his name? 
Yoana Harry Yon, I I think. Yeah, so he actually points it out himself, right? Because the author goes, but that's all anecdotal because you know Yon keeps on going around and saying, me and my friends we talk and we all lost our stuff and all that. Um, Harry, so it's not until more than halfway through the book, page 176, Ah, that Harry drops what should be a bombshell. We don't have any long-term studies tracking changes in people's (laughs) ability to focus over time. In other words, he quietly admits that there isn't really any strong scientific evidence for the main thesis of the book. I think that one sums it up like the best. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah. And uh, just the last line from the uh, uh, scientist, Mr. What was it? Matthew something uh, article. uh, This is the last paragraph. Uh, One last thing. Joanna is vexed that Facebook doesn't allow you to find out if any of your friends are. Oh, you mentioned it as well. Some good news for him. It does. (laughs) I love it. It doesn't really mention. It's just it does. (laughs) And then do you want to read the tweets? But I, I mean... They're fantastic. I can just mention, yeah, oh, one or two yeah. of them. Sorry, just put the article away again now. But no, no. I have so F- <laughs> Philip Lorenzo Spring, one of the scientists cited by Johan Harris, has tweeted, obviously, I'm not happy with the misrepresentation <laughs> of our results in this way. I keep emphasizing that these findings uh, is, I should, it should be R, not at all about your ability to focus, but about the growing complexity of public discourse in parentheses, which I hope to do and see yeah. more research in the, on, uh, on in the future. So this is just great that immediately the scientists that have he has cited are coming out against them. This is just a whole yeah. new level of interaction with the scientific and, community. You know, and do you so, agree? Yeah. This shows also linking it to the previous fact-checking and blah, blah, blah with Joe Rogan. You know, this book... I'm assuming the publishers, quote unquote, fact checked it, right? Including uh, his previous book where he, you know, said that Facebook doesn't have any feature that can, you know, show you where your friends are. So, you know, this is this also shows some of the limitations of quote unquote fact checking that they want to be done to Joe Rogan. Sorry for that little tangent no, argument, but I, I thought it was I a com- perfect example. I completely agree. Yeah, it shows how manipulates how easily you can manipulate data and that's some and if you studied social sciences that's yeah. majority of the yeah. topics and you know that and sorry by the way that was in the last paragraph from the article he goes on to talk about uh, this guy is actually much nicer than the other article he only mentions his past problems later in the article and points out a couple of other cases in which he completely manipulates uh, studies, scientific studies by others. So yeah, I mean, judge for yourself, but at least I hope mm-hmm. you try to read the free stuff before you spend your money or your yeah. time on his uh, books yeah. and his strong things. Because he's not even that important a guy. He's just a grifter that has found it. Yeah, just, okay, I, if I complain about social media to this rich middle class, uh, basically, increasingly, we all becoming Victorian housewives with uh, hysteria and neurosis, I can get a lot of money out of it. Yeah, I know exactly. He's like smart with the topic that he picked and like the way he addresses it and everybody, everybody can relate to it coming, you know, their, from their own side. And of course, there is some truth to it, you know, in his Guardian article, it talks about, I don't know if he just made that up himself or he found a study. He's like, you know, um, 
if you're like doing a new work and you get if you're doing your work and you get an email on your phone it's not just the 10 seconds or 15 seconds that you lose from looking at that your brain switch from one activity to another and it needs to you know recuperate you know or like get back in the zone when you're going back to your work so that's the thing there's some truth to it of course if you're getting messages and stuff you're going to get distracted but it doesn't support like i said the whole narrative that he puts and the historical lens that yeah, he kind of adopts again it's kind of like going back to our main theme of like the guy on the bad faith podcast who i found fantastic was talking about like just first of all humans i don't know who, who like majority of us are not amazing creatures that are going to come up with great poetry with great analysis and all that i mean some of us are and good for them but majority of us are just human beings and this again i I talked about this when we discussed this article. I used to live in, half of my time was spent in a rural area disconnected from internet. But then when, you know, I was in town, in city, we had mobile phones and all our generation when we were like 10, maybe 12. So I've experienced both worlds in a very parallel shape and all that. And yeah, but majority of people like were bored out of their mind <laughs> just going around trying to find someone to talk to and or somebody to you know spend time with this idea that people used to have used to again read Anna Karanina in their spare time yeah. or be looking at fucking Vanity Fair uh, the books not the fucking magazine mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or Barry Lyndon whatever I don't know like what is what do you think was going on yeah. back in the days like most people were just fucking around they weren't, you know, I mean, just like now it was a different, it was a different environment. There were different types of distractions. There were some exist now, some have gone, some have been accentuated. And you know, just because there's like some differences, it doesn't mean you can add this whole narrative to it, which I feel like happens quite often with a lot of things. I mean, another thing this guy has given me has been motivation to actually focus just to prove this guy <laughs> wrong i've been man audible is awesome i've uh, since his shitty article i've listened to dead souls by google mm-hmm. i listened to emma by jane austen now i'm uh, listening to pride and prejudice because uh, you know so fuck like okay first of all none of us are perfect but yeah if we put a little bit of effort maybe we can do better it's, why are you trying to pathologize and uh, well why yeah. because of money of course yeah <laughs> we had some fun right. stories again i think i'm all i, I think i've said story. everything i had to say i don't know about you i'm i'm looking let me this is like my whoopi goldberg mm. yeah because i'm like any other angle i can criticize oh yes man one part as you said the whole thing about you know coming out of soon going back in the zone years passing it says you know as I, as I get older and trying to focus increasingly, I think he said it in the ABC interview, you increasingly feel like you're running up an escalator and it's becoming more and more difficult. Yes, you're getting older. You're getting older. Your brain power is going down. It's like, yeah, as I'm getting older, it feels like my back. There's more pain in my back. My knees are getting... Yes, people get older and brain functions usually tend to deteriorate, especially 35 onwards. It's just, it's kind of like Matt Kreisman from Chapel Trap House uh, writes that usually like you get a lot of social scientists that they get older, they keep writing about how life sucks and all that. Mm. And they are actually objective correct Mm -hmm. because it does, it has 
It has the suchness has increased for them because they got older. You yeah. idiot! <laughs> no, you were too nice with that. I don't even get that analogy. What does that have to do with the running up? Like, the as you get older, yeah. no, no, because reading and concentration is a physical thing that you, yeah, not necessarily, but usually most people it deteriorates as they get older. I used to read far more. I used to be able when I was kid and all to focus more. So I, that, that's part of the process of getting older. It has yeah. nothing to do with social maybe, media. Yeah. But you can also maybe, get maybe. better at it. I mean, I read now more than practice, I did as a, as, yeah. a, as a kid because, yeah. you know, before no, no. I wasn't too much into reading. Now okay. I know what kind of books I like. But I kind of get it. But his, no, no, I hate okay. that no, running no. up the escalator analogy that, that you know. No, I, I used that. to be extremely unhealthy as a teenager. I would eat unhealthily. I was super obese and all that. But then I changed my lifestyle. But it's still, though, as I get older, some parts of my yeah, body yeah, are, yeah. you know what I mean? That's like well, yeah. old people find many things more difficult. No, that is I, that, not that he's that old. Anyway, he talks about back in the days as if he uh, back in the days in 1950s. Yeah, what are you talking about? 90s, like, oh my. No, we looked him up, right? He's just 10 years older. Uh, he's like yeah, early not, 40s. Yeah, he's like seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous guy well, yeah. but yeah, yeah so anything yeah, else I'm, ah, no <laughs> i feel i feel a burden has been left all right sam let's move on to some progressive geopolitics so what do you have for us this week what's been going on around the globe well it's been a bit of a quiet like because we usually try to do like headlines from different parts of the world but there wasn't much going around I mean, I'm sure there was. It didn't come across to my attention. That's all I'm saying. Whoopi so, and Joe Rogan sucked the air. <laughs> they dominated. <yeah. laughs> dominated air times in my head. It was them and Johan Harry, mostly. Yeah. Uh, but there is apparently a little thing going on in Ukraine and Russia, yeah. I believe. So that evolved. Uh, it's becoming, it's interesting because it does seem that Europeans are taking a harsher stance. Germany seems to be moving towards, and Olaf Schulz is under constant attacks from the, I mean, mainstream media that I can see from DW, BBC, Guardian, constantly, uh, you know. Uh, so that's was, the new German prime minister, uh, prime the minister, chancellor. Uh, chancellor, chancellor, yes, yes. Uh, Who's technically his, from the Socialist Party and all that. Yeah, and the Socialist Party of Germany has strong, strong relations with uh, Russia. Famously, uh, Schroeder, who is a former uh, German chancellor from the Social Democratic Party, is one of the board members of Gazprom. Mm. Not the gas, Russian Gazprom, I think another subsidiary, yeah, I think. Okay. So the relationships are tight, let's say. But yeah, Ger- they have now, it seems that there was that, they did say that if there is an invasion quote-unquote, there would be no Nord Stream 2 and all that. It seems that Americans kind of gave them an ultimatum. It seems they said, basically, we won't let you. Mm. And But at the same time, it does seem interesting in that, uh, like, it's so funny. Uh, Americans sent 3,000 troops to uh, Ukraine. (laughs) And it was so funny because there was, like, there is 30,000 troops, Mm -hmm. Russians, located only in Belarusia, just waiting from the north just mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that 3,000 troops are going to do, but it was more of a political action yeah. because I still don't think America or Europe are willing to shed blood for Donbass. I mean, Europe clearly doesn't want to, except the UK, right? The UK seems UK, to be playing a slightly different game. 
UK has always traditionally been more, I mean, London, I, I, people talk about America and empire and all that. The real empire is not America or UK. The real empire is London, New York, mm. LA, Moscow, uh, Tokyo, and they are all aligned. So London has always had a very interesting, you know, when it comes to both Israeli-Palestinian issue and Russia issue, they're very interesting. Sometimes they become more hardcore than the mainland. Uh, mainland of the empire, whatever right. that is. Uh, they, but there also seems that Boris Johnson is trying to use it to, because of the, uh, the pressure he's under, we're going to discuss later, he's trying to use that as a way to bolster his international standing and all that. But uh, yeah, it's a, it seems like a, a Ukraine is trying to play down the tensions for sure, because they know that they are going to be the ones that, you know, burn to mo- the most of the responsibility. So that's, you know, that's how that situation evolving. On the more fun side of events, you got Erdogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, this guy, man. I mean, this guy, the balls this guy has. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is the famous video of him where his balls gets crushed by a horse or a cow. Really? I think it's a horse. Yeah, just gets... I, I don't know how he's still alive, right? <laughs> but uh, he keeps going to Ukraine and trying to, he keeps offering himself as the mediator between <laughs> Ukraine and Russia. And Russia is like, no, we don't want to. No, thank you. We don't need <laughs> You're not, we're going to talk with the US. <laughs> it's a different level, all right? And then he's, he, but he's killing himself to establish a sort of international thing for himself. He's also under a lot of, home pressure yeah. in terms of inflation and all that so that should sure. also be it but there is a growing uh there is a growing uh cooperation and uh relationship between ukraine and turkey uh, i mean famously ukraine bought a lot of turkish drones uh, that have been used in attacks against the russian backed forces and uh, there are talks that there might be a there might be a a free trade deal signed in Ukraine. I think mm. it may have already been signed or something like that. I see. So yeah, that's the geopolitics of today. Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine. <laughs> oh, and the world. Yeah. yeah. The guest who was on the gray zone, I guess, thankfully the, the, his deadline passed because you remember there was this one guest who was like, quite nuanced and very oh, yeah, good. The former, the former General Pentagon yeah, the, advisor. McGregor, I think. Yeah, with Aaron Mate, and you know he was saying that yeah, of course the the Russians aren't going to attack all of Ukraine, but there's a chance that you know they'd want to no, take. No, his deadline more... hasn't passed. No, didn't he say end of mid Jan, end of? He said January? end of January, early February. Oh. And we are fourth of February, so I would give him okay. until the tenth. <laughs> he was a bit specific, but he was just saying that they're going to come into eastern uh, Ukraine, you know, and like I don't the think other he, side uh, of the river. I, the thing is, I think that's what his argument was. I don't think Russia will ever need to directly come in. Mm. They, I think they will bolster up their force. Like there are, there are enough Russians in those areas that I don't, they just need to provide maybe arms or air support against drones and that sort of thing. I think that would be the most likely scenario, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that guy meant it that way too. Yeah. I don't think even Russia doesn't want to you know, lose too many people over Donbass. Yeah, no, for sure. And he was just saying on the east of it and all this, but yeah. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it was, that was uh, like geopolitically. On a more, I, I was just, and I was just surprised by this. So I just started Googling coup 
and Africa. And it did turn out that I was onto something. There seems to be this wave of military coups going on in Africa. So I came across this article I thought I'd highlight. E-C-O-W-A-S holds emergency summit after coups in West Africa. So this is some sort of a West African institution that tries to usually promote, I assume, I don't know specifically, about, but I figure it's similar to, you know, uh, all these EU wannabe mm-hmm. sort of institutions, they promote free trade and cooperation and other stuff among the nations. West African bloc expected to decide whether to impose more sanctions on Burkina Faso following a military coup. West African leaders are holding an emergency summit in Ghanaian capital, Accra, in response to recent spats of coups in the region. The talks on Thursday were initiated after Burkina Faso on January 24th became the third member of the 15-nation economic community of West African states to be overtaken by the military. Burkina, uh, so we got Burkina Faso, we got Mali, we got Guinea, Mm. Uh, and we also, of course, there is all these stuff that are going on that was going on beforehand in Somalia, this civil war in Ethiopia. So it is surprising to me. And I would wonder if there is an overarching cause for this. Is there? I, I heard Mali had huge problems with population and immigration and all that. So I, I, am, I would be interested. I couldn't find much, but that seems to be Africa is going crazy. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Well, I mean, I think like the Ethiopia one and the Somalia one, neither are they related to each other, nor are they particularly related to the West African one. But the West African ones, these countries, I can see how they can be totally related because there's a lot of counterterrorism going on and preventing people from migrating and all these operations going on in in West Africa that kind of ties all these countries together, fighting against the same kind of terrorism groups the French being in Mali and now being kind of kicked out, the Russians trying to be involved a bit. Yeah, the Danish, the hundred Danish (laughs) who have found themselves in Mali. So I think there there is some kind of connection between probably what's going on in the different West African countries. But Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't looked into it too much. And on our shows, we don't look into it too much because Anytime we do something on like Africa, I feel like they get negative views. I don't even know like how it yeah. works. Like you put Africa yeah, segments they, like minus 10 views. So like, how? The great and powerful <laughs> algorithm doesn't really like it when you cover it, like uh, African. I mean, to be fair though, it's not like, I mean, we've. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not like we are that clickbaity. I hope. I hope. Yeah. So we continue to cover it whenever I guess we just come across for sure it. but i mean i think any african stories that we've done any stories on any countries in africa have probably got the worst like traction human like sure, possible sure. on our channel because we can do similar stories about other countries like central asian countries and they do rel- they do like you know whatever but stories on africa it seems like you know it just really doesn't get Minus picked six. up yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting and there's a lot of different things happening and there's always the is, and there connections and it's not covered in the news that much by any kind of outlet maybe a bit more by Al the Jazeera. europeans yeah i'll just hear the european but in the u.s i don't even think they have like you know the packaging needed for like <laughs> introducing an africa segment so i was like okay guys 
change change the news here Guys, sorry we don't uh, have that we're, we're at, no. i can't do this i can't do this you just see jake tapper running out of the i can't do this anymore <laughs> they just don't they're not even ready for it so <laughs> yeah good point good point yeah. except ethiopia i guess that one kind of made it into it but you're right al jazeera is the home of all these kind of <laughs> Yeah, TRT sometimes, but yeah, Al Jazeera is the only one that, yeah, we got this guy from Guinea, this guy from Mali. How do you find, like, well done, your booking, like, is fantastic. Yeah. Well, they, they saw, I think, you know, they saw a gap in the market, which is, you know, just like what I'm saying, that they rarely cover African, um, you know, African-related ge- Geographically, there are loads of African people that go work in Qatar, Dubai, mm. so there is connections there. Yeah. No, definitely. Okay, nice. Anything else uh, on geopolitics? No, it's very, uh, yeah, this week, as you said, Lupi and Yohan Harry and all that, wasn't much time for geopolitics. Well, I mean, so let's segue to quick hitters I mean, yeah. and the rising. And before we do our first story, the rising, I think, had like a two Joe Rogan stories per day, like easily. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like they should have a, basically a Joe Rogan sort of, uh, it's like a, everyday segment so what is jerogan up to today or what is his enemies are saying it's become and it's i hope in i hope i hope uh, it might not but i hope it works in his benefit in terms of viewership and all that yeah no definitely but okay let's do our first uh, quick hitter story on about uh, which is on the hill and the rising so they had this they pretty much had this uh, segment which talked about animal and human testing what brought it what brought it up what's the specific there, story there that brought up this conversation study, there there was report that there was a study done by a governmental i think testing institution a medical institution that used dogs small puppies mm. specifically to uh, experiment on giving like, them cocaine and oh yeah beagles and, there we yeah. go yeah they were giving beagles cocaine yeah beagles cocaine but the tests weren't really that necessarily mm. because uh, it was just a sort of a check the box type of thing and all that and i had two i thought I, first, I had a couple of, I have two very specific issues I want to discuss about this story. But Please. go ahead. What did you think of No, it? no, I, I think that's a good some, way to get the conversation owner, going. I think that's a good way. You pointing out your points and then I'll sure. react. I would that. say I, I am completely against animal testing in general. I, because from what I understand, it's mostly uh, useless anyway. Unless, of course, in some cases it's justified if there is no other way to research that um, medical issue. But uh, I would say, I thought, frankly, I mean, as far as animal testing goes, these dogs had it correct. <laughs> cocaine, free cocaine. They were the prostitutes were brought in to have fun. <laughs> they, they were having Hollywood ideas. Yeah, man, it's gonna be great. We're gonna make a movie, and guess what? All the bad guys are gonna be cats, and it's gonna be fucking us. Awesome. <laughs> like, it sounded like. I mean, usually animal testing is they give them disease. They inter- this was like they were having like yeah they had an ex- opium expert. They were you know they would. This is great. So as far as animal testing goes, yeah, I was like good for the beagles. Like they hit the uh, hit the jackpot as far as you know that sort of thing goes. Yeah. I don't know what was your view on that. Yeah, I, I didn't I'm, think I'm, that. I'm I still felt bad for them, regardless of what kind of type it is. And yeah, when I come down with animal testing, where I come down and, you know, don't spend all my time thinking about this, but, you know, 
even though I'm a dog owner and even though uh-huh. I'm a vegan and try to, you know, purchase vegan products as much as possible, where, uh, you know, do my best, so to speak, I'm not fully against. So we're going to move on to human testing after. But animal testing, I mean, you know, kind of like what you said, I guess if it's really necessary, which I feel like most of the time it's not, and beauty products and all them, they can go fuck themselves they can just work on whatever knowledge is there if there's something else they need to figure out forget about it but yeah when it comes to medical you know perhaps animal testing is necessary at times and it can uh, it can be done so that's where i fall on the animal testing although i hope that you know it's done as little as possible but you know if if really there is a if really there is an if there is a reason and you know it can help into some kind of breakthrough which will of course then help humans at the expense of these animals even in that case i'll be like sure if it's really helpful like that i mean i guess sometimes you have to do some kind of horrible stuff perhaps i think cosmetic testing and all that is complete of course yes yeah exactly it should only be done when there is clear reason that okay we're gonna learn more about this fatal disease because we do that testing and hopefully we're gonna save humans yeah whatever like but as somebody, I would say, as somebody who's post-human in his philosophy, as in I don't necessarily think it's humanist view of the world that humans are these special little creatures, uh, uh, I do say human experimentation is more fine with me because they can consent. Well, let's get to the let's get to the human. I'll get to the human part in a in a in a second. But you know, before mm-hmm. that. Sure. I mean, like, no, let's just get to, to the... No, no, the, before that, what... Sorry, but did I not miss your... No, 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 I mean, I thought we agree on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I definitely agree with, with the... Yeah, I guess the animal one, you know, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. But I guess the human part, I just wanted to say that, of course, objectively, I, would, I think humans aren't above any kind of other animal, but humans uh-huh. for themselves can decide that, hey, we value humans more. And, you know as a as a as a dog as a dog owner and as a vegan i'm just bringing this again just to show the context a bit you know i could see uh, i mean i don't necessarily oppose if it's really needed for an animal to be sacrificed if it will save the life of a human so i guess in that sense i do put the life of humans at a higher value although if it's completely subjective and it comes from you know from, from a human I'm not saying it's objective. It's the, it's not objectively the case, but I think I that's mean, where I kind of land on the animal one. That's a good point. No, that's even okay. Fair enough. You could even take the post on the human testing. On the human yeah, yeah. testing, even this is where I disagree. I think with you and Robbie Suave again. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't think that you know human testing should be hundred percent banned, right? Perhaps in some points it really is necessary and stuff. However, the argument that simply because you got the consent of someone, that's a great first step, right? Consent is a great first step. But simply because you got the consent of someone does not make that, you know, okay and that it should be done. And, you know, what does okay mean? Well, okay can mean something differently for anyone. But for like me or for like the body of like scientific um, ethics that okay is a certain study to go on or stuff, simply because you manage to get consent from someone. And, you know, of course, there's some situations where you can get consent much more easily for some people. That doesn't make it 
fully um, 100% okay in all cases that you just turn around and tell me, hey, he gave me his consent. So I did X, Y, and Z um, to him. I Look, there is one thing. First of all, I'd like to clarify. By the way, I loved it on the hill when Robbie Suave was like, oh, well, humans, why they don't do it on humans? And then Ryan Grimm <laughs> just went, what? <laughs> You're advocating a future hellscape? <laughs> so I'd like to clarify, first of all, that let's, we, we basically we were talking on the phone and we, I, like this was one of those bullshit arguments we have because it's never gonna, like in reality, I land with you, you know, in like, I think it should be banned and all that. But let's say we live in this utopia where there is a free healthcare, free education, free housing, uh, free minimum level of food, and sort of a basic income, right? In that world where people can't be financially pursued because they are deprived unfairly, in that world, I think consent is everything. So I don't, in that world, I would say consent is enough. I mean, first, A, I mean, you specified this well enough but you said in this utopian world which doesn't exist and which will you know most likely never exist never exist in that sense is still simply consent enough you know but you know but someone might still not fully kind of understand what they're consenting and there could still be other pressures on on that so you know i guess i don't give human now i think about these days i guess i don't give human agency that much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> value because oh, it's like a few stories where i've thought this and i've landed there so even if the I, person I, wants it themselves and they consented it doesn't uh, still it still might not be enough even no, in that I, utopian setting I that think, you said that yeah, you put out I think humans are miserable little creatures mm-hmm. who are not really intelligent and stuff but i think it's a slip a slippery slope i think consent should be uh, for people who at least are not mentally challenged or anything. Consent is all we have. Consent and being adults. So I don't know. I think it could be a very slippery slope if we say consent is not enough. But then again, though, we are t- I'm talking about the utopian situation, yeah. which never happens. And I completely agree because uh, I know of countries that allow, for example, humans to sell their body parts. And it is a hellscape. Like it is as close as to a dystopia mm. Like you see people advertising their kidneys. It's disgusting. Yeah. Like it's like, again, I don't mind it if somebody likes to advertise their kidneys, but most <laughs> of these people are clearly doing it because they're financially deprived yeah. uh, heavily you know, to the point of selling their bodies. Like even one step further than prostitution, I would say. Yeah, no, definitely. So I think we, we kind of almost land on the same thing, although you you give a lot more value to someone giving consent. But yeah, Robbie <laughs> saw it live there with... It was so <laughs> right. funny. Yeah, yeah. Right? What? <laughs> Why don't you... Yeah, because... I, I mean, I like Robbie Suave, but libertarian arguments in practice, I think, are generally very hellscapey. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you... Yeah, <laughs> I think I agree with you there. But what, what a team they put together, though, at, at the Hill. Fantastic. I mean, there's someone for everyone. You know, you want someone super lefty, extreme Kim, lefty, you got there. Kim. You want someone a little bit more balanced. Now you have uh, Ryan. balance, Ryan Grimm and Brianna to back him up. And then, of course, towards the right. Without, they don't really have a conservative. They have 
well, a libertarian, yeah, libertarian. kind of. Yeah. Again, I I don't know how they found him because he seems like the most like reasonable right wing person. Almost he doesn't seem right wing sometimes. Yeah, it, like it's but I mean you can hear with some of his points. But it would be nice if like, or maybe they do it. I don't watch the rising that much. But if they got more into his libertarian like views and stuff and just expose them to some of the normal liber- anti-libertarian arguments that you hear. And I'll be he curious in what he says. Like after I found it, found out about him on the Hill, he did a great interview with the Chapo Trap House guys. Oh, Where really? On yeah, Chapo Trap House? No way. Ago. Yeah, it's from years ago. I'll send it to you. It's good. It's really good. Uh, it's He's very... I would say he's pro... I would... I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know enough, but I would say he doesn't really have a deep political ideology he's mm. much more of a he's much more about meat and grind of everyday politics than sort of necessarily having a uh, you know libertarian critique or marx whatever you know like yeah. a grand critique or something you know yeah it seems like the case but yeah um good channel these days i must say and and every time i say this but boy do the viewers love kim I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. And they're all shit on Ryan Grimm nonstop. And really? also Robbie Suave, yeah. Why? Robbie Suave also, he's not... I, I mean, I read the comment sections in the uh, Rising and he doesn't get Why much do love well, at all. Like, is it mostly about, what is it? Like, their ideas? Ryan Grimm, the usual stuff. The usual criticisms that you he- hear about him, kind of. Uh-huh. And or just saying that it makes no sense, blah, blah, blah. And just Kim saying that, you know, she's amazing and truth spreader and all of that interesting i had no idea but yeah no, I mean, check it out uh, the, you told the, me about it but yeah. i had no idea I check it out so, next time when she's uh, on i mean one after the other i mean you know, really let's let's continue sam i was gonna say that our next story is again on the hill but this time i didn't get to watch the clip i forgot so it's about china fight club you wrote yeah oh man <laughs> have you seen I mean, yeah, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. no I no am. no i've seen fight club Oh, thank a God. bunch of times. <laughs> oh, thank God. I don't think I don't love it as much as I mean, no, I do really. No, no, no it is really great. It is really, really good. Yeah, it's awesome. Sure. Yeah, it's I would I mean, it's there are quite a few movies that capture their time very well. And I would say like it was the quintessential 90s movie, like it mm. captured that feeling of like everything is OK, but there is that feeling of dread. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have comfort, but there is, you know, that it's not supposed to be mm-hmm. like that, you know, uh, but I would say it's not my favorite David Fincher movie by far. What's it? What, I, what do you like by him? Do I know oh, any of them? I think so, man. Seven, you know, seven. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I like, um, I think Fight Club, I like it more than seven. Really? I, I prefer that. seven. Yeah. And Gone Girl, Gone Girl is probably my oh, favorite of his. Seen it's the one with the Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, yeah Ben Affleck. I thought that was a Ben Affleck movie. It, no, he acted. He just it, plays no, in it, didn't yeah. direct it. Okay, yeah, I, lo- uh, I love Gone Girl. And even to be honest, David Fincher directed Alien Three, which mm. is uh, considered to be one of the worst movies, and <laughs> he he disowned it because of a studio interference and all that. I genuinely think it's, sorry, Alien 4, if I'm not mistaken. But I genuinely think it was one of the, I really liked, I really don't like Aliens, which everybody loves. I really don't like Aliens. I genuinely don't like James Cameron at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dave, I mean, I still, anyways, that was just, sorry, on a tangent. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, China, uh, China has, apparently, 
changed the ending because I, I spoiler alert if anyone you remember the ending for yeah and, and the ending everything explodes right and they're just watching well, it yeah, they are basically this sort of a extremist group that yeah. is planning to basically blow up the whole world like major power centers blah 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 and yeah at the end they succeed in the chinese version <laughs> they cut off before <laughs> the bombing the uh, the towers are yeah. falling off and it cuts to a a sort of a what you call it, the what was it called the writing sort of a scroll thingy that says that yeah and the police managed to successfully capture all the... all criminals and the judicial and the great and powerful <laughs> and the just judicial system uh, you know all <laughs> what the hell? which by the way which is so weird because like I first time I watched um, uh, uh, Fight Club was actually on. Persian television because uh, Iranian government, even though they don't usually are not good with Hollywood and sexual scenes and all that, they were completely happy with Fight Club because <laughs> yeah. it's a critique of yeah, yeah. you know modern America and all that. So I don't understand why the Chinese have done this anyway because it's not a reflection on them. But it's so funny that yes, every bad guy was captured. Do not believe this. <laughs> Like cynical approach to life, the, the just judicial system has acted again. This is a movie, so. by the way. <laughs> Do not take it disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Renew your membership for the Communist Party now. <laughs> yeah. I, geez, and I'm guessing, did they mention the hill if they're rerunning this in the cinemas or stuff, or if you buy like the DVD version or something? I was just thinking of that. That yeah, I was just thinking that what was it? Was it in cinema or was it <laughs> on a streaming services? I forget. I watched the video oh. about a week ago, so it just do they have their out. own streaming service. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure they yes, do. Yes, of course they yeah. def- they have their own Google, oh. which is relatively yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah, and all the social media ones and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Vimeo, Vimeo. Yeah. They are. It's really fascinating, man. I worked in, you know, uh, uh, online businesses and all that, like for a couple of years. Mostly, it was like uh, marketplaces and fintech, financial mm. tech. China, Iran, all these countries are on a whole different level, man. I. It's almost like in these things, Europe and America are like third world. Mm. Like people are still text messaging while in <laughs> Iran, they are like yeah, you can you have apps that are just like WhatsApp and you can transfer money with them. You can yeah. do in China everywhere you go, you can pay with your mobile phone, uh, like a credit card type of thing. It's just fascinating. The stuff that is going on in financial tech and all that is fascinating. I mean, I by the way, I don't think any of it is good or bad. Yeah. It's always capitalism. But uh, it's fascinating as some as an observer. So. Definitely, and this just reminded me of something quick, and I didn't follow up and read um, read through this properly. But you know that now there are five G networks in a lot of countries, right? And the in airports Iran? and airplanes apparently are running smoothly. But in the US, did you read those stories from like a week or two ago where they couldn't really go ahead with the launch of five G networks because there it was interfering with airports and like the 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 towers for the airplanes and stuff and the signals so they had to push it back and stuff just your comment on technology that reminded me of that so apparently they're having issues although like 40 countries have implemented 5g and airports and airlines yeah Yeah, everything is running but in the Uh, u.s it's weird apparently they had that issue maybe someone who knows more i didn't follow up on the story 
Yeah, it's fascinating you say that. There was somebody who was a, like an expert on all these like tech stuff. And I was having a meeting with them once. And they, I mean, this was on tangent, but he said that the 5G is not so much about like internet speed and all that. Already 4G is more than mm-hmm. enough. It's mostly about the internet of things mm-hmm. and systems of th- control, as in like, as you mentioned, like airport and stuff like. So maybe with implementation, they have to do a lot of changes when it, because with 5G, apparently it allows them to basically do like a lot of more actions as an automated and mm-hmm. as an algorithmic based sort of thing. So I wonder if it had to do with that. But yeah, yeah it's a fascinating topic. I don't know how we get there from fight club to this, <laughs> no. but yeah. You said China and technology. And ah, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, just... let's keep on moving. And actually, I want to ask you a favor for this next story. So next one is on Boris Johnson. And oh. based on like, we, I, we put I don't the... like favor. Is it financial? I, no. I, you're cutting off caviar. There is internet connection. Is... <laughs> you were just bragging about 5G and now you don't. No, no, it's just that I realized under a last video which we posted, which was about Boris Johnson, a few people commented that like how, yeah, this, this story hasn't been covered very well outside of the no. UK or in the US. So nice. maybe just summarize in one minute too. And I think really think you can summarize in one minute what the Boris Johnson scandal is and then move on um, to whatever it, update you want to share. Yeah, actually, it's very, for if anybody's like in the US, it's very much similar to the Gavin Newsom situation in California right now. Basically, there were certain uh, significantly uh, heavy lockdown policies, some would argue. In the very beginning. Enact- in the very beginning in, in the UK. Yeah. So for example, you couldn't have gatherings of more than five or six people, if I'm not mistaken. You weren't allowed to have parties. You weren't allowed to blah, 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 blah. And as these sort of lockdowns were put in place and people, especially for example, the students were fined over them. You had the conservative governments basically were having parties every day in their offices. People were smuggling alcohol from mm. the co-op and it had like they were having the life like it was the time of their life basically. So and Boris Johnson like it has actually I was very sort of I was very dismissive of if you recall I was somewhat dismissive and said I don't compare to the scandals that Boris has had this is nothing. I, I said that you too, yeah, yeah, you agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it seems that so far in terms of actual damage, this one has been crazy. So, uh, you know, the guard, the, all the usual suspects are, have, they're having an article against him every day. The, he, he, the Ukrainian thing, a lot of people say he traveled to Ukraine a couple of days ago. He seems to focus on that as a distraction. Yeah. He, or, he started smearing Kira Starmer, somebody who <laughs> we have expressed the, you know, yeah. uh, undying love for a number of times on this channel. Mm-hmm. But he is, uh, Kira Starmer, who we hate, by the way, uh, was, in, was the, pro- yeah. Anyway, this, before I get to that, I just want to say, yeah, they were having parties and they were breaking the rules that they had made themselves. Then there was, so the prime minister commissioned the report by Sue Gray, who is responsible to looking into if ministers have broken ministerial code. Uh, She's released a report and her report basically was the most polite version of they broke the rules. She said most of the activities could not be justified under the the then ruling regime. 
And now there are even talks uh, that, that police is police looked into it. Police, by the way, police uh, themselves came under huge questions because the chief of police intervened to have the report blocked because oh, they wow. said it might interfere with the investigation. It was an awful case of corruption, it seemed. And then, well, uh, but I, but under political pressure, the report was released, and now apparently there are talks of potential vote of no confidence, which is the equivalent of an impeachment. So, and uh, backbencher Tories are basically losing it. So, uh, it seems it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Yeah, and I guess he kind of like denied it a few times, right? Like it was gradual. Like first he denied, he was like, "No, I wasn't at the party." Then he was like, "Fine, I kind of was at the party." It was so there were like a few steps. It was, and it still is constant double speak. As in, Mm -hmm. there was a there was individuals meeting, but I would I can't as of yet uh, describe it as a gathering or a party. I will await the result of a police investigation and. That's another thing, like there is, if, if because now police ha- must have looked into it. And right now there is this whole thing that he's saying that they're not going to disclose whether the prime minister got fined or not, because if you did break the rules, you must get fined. So if he doesn't get fined, it's a, it's a corruption case. Yeah. If he does get fined, it's a definite proof that he broke the rules. So that's why they're saying we are not going to say either way, we are not going to disclose it. But then, but then Tories, as it is very typical with Tories, have gone on the offensive. And I don't know if you remember the Jimmy Savile case. No. Jimmy Savile was this disgusting human being of, like, I don't, I even, it's, it's a shame to categorize him as a human being. He was a DJ in the UK. Uh, he uh, was, he had this program which was like, make, like, make your make make the wish foundation type thing that oh is this an older guy older guy discuss yep. glasses i know the story now that. yeah and then it turned out that he would use his connections in the bbc whenever uh, he was in contact with children and he would he was a pedophile no? yeah exactly yeah. he was a pedophile who abused children including children in hospitals including children's in orphanages so a disgusting piece of shit and he was very much liked back in the day and everything oh yeah and bbc there was even like there are indications that bbc may have newer stuff but Mm -hmm. they like follow up blah blah it's a disgusting affair at the time there apparently at the time where there were reports about him or there were allegations about him Keir Starmer was prosecutor general everybody who I've, like everybody who's looked into the thing, they say that even though he was prosecutor general, it's very, it's kind of like saying that, you know what I mean? It's like now uh, Boris Johnson is trying to say it was his fault that he was Jimmy Savile wasn't prosecuted, mm-hmm. even though Jimmy Savile had extensive relationship with Conservative Party. And even though most of pedophiles in UK turn out to be Conservative Party mm-hmm. members, it, it's been a very common theme. Uh, so, uh, it is a smear campaign, really. You might disagree. I haven't looked into the details, but everybody who has says that it seems to be a smear campaign. Towards Keir Starmer. Towards Keir Starmer. But you must say there is a somewhat poetic justice to mm. it because now you have all these centrists and leftists like James O'Brien, who had a radio show on LBC, London Broadcasting uh, a station, if I'm not mistaken, who is the most condescending, who <laughs> is and was the most condescending piece of shit out there. Like, 
he was one of those guys who are, oh, I am very critical of Tories, but I'm also very critical of Jeremy Corbyn. If you don't think he's a fascist, maybe something is wrong with you. If you don't think he's anti-Semitic, there is something wrong with you. So, and now they're all like, oh my God, how dare they smear Keir Starmer as a, uh, as a, somebody who, didn't do enough to fight pedophiles. I don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, so there is a little bit of joy I am getting from this that, you know, oh my God, the right-wing newspapers are going with prime minister's characterization. Yeah, just like how you went with Jeremy Corbyn's <laughs> characterizations by the same right-wing newspapers. Yeah. How you called him a terrorist, how you put his face on Voldemort's face and made videos about it. So there is a bit of a, I must say, I'm getting some joy from that. <laughs> but uh, but it's not right. And it is fascinating. It's like George, Boris Johnson has become the Don Quixote of politics, I feel. It's like every week his adventures continue, his bumbling adventures. But maybe man, not Don Quixote or maybe more Norman Wisdom. But I, mean, I still do think that, you know, sure, yeah. he, was a, he was a hypocrite, right? His government came up with all these lockdown laws and stuff and they didn't oh, follow them yeah. but i mean you know on the scale of bad things that the prime yeah, minister weapons the former Saudi mayor for- of london can do are much more than this but it's just funny how these things bring you down you know uh, how something like this can be what you know it's, it brings you down must- and i kind of made the parallel last time with trump and ukraine you know trump has perhaps a million things you can attack him but unsuccessful in their case though they chose the Ukraine one, the Democrats, because of course, everything else that could be turned back to them. This was one where they found an angle, kind of, where they were a bit shielded, but not even that much. So it's, it's just remi- so sad in a way, though, that, you know, it comes down if the, if he is taken down. You know, I don't care for him particularly, but it's about something that is OK. He was a hypocrite. Grow up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are worse exactly. things. If this is the barrier, if this no, is like, you I know, definitely the agree, level. Yeah. I mean, Boris Johnson, like his case is, in my view, is very parallel to the governors of the U.S. I just mm-hmm. mentioned Gavin Newsom in California, but Como, you know, Como is, in my view, responsible for killing of number of older people with his policy towards uh, housings and then lying about the. Uh, statistics and all mm-hmm. of that, uh, uh, putting older people back into like nursing homes and that type of thing. And he didn't go down for that. He went down for his disgusting sexual behavior. So it is, yeah, one I would say is worse than the other. But yeah, you're right. It seems that sadly one is more attractive, both in terms of media and being juicy and gossipy. Yeah. And as you said, I think the crucial point is that in some issues they can come to like in some issues they can't criticize because yeah. it's quickly turns back on them exactly i mean it's not like he lied about you know the uk's role in afghanistan uh, or anything like, else no, but he has like, done all of yeah he has done all of those right yeah. so it comes down to this like half-assed party and stuff it's just it's just it's such pathetic. a joke it is and uh, that's the thing it's kind of about hyper normalization that adam curtis talks about you do feel like you're living in a 
like media is talking media is having its own reality mm. with the state because i think most people knew like who was thinking boris johnson the man who still is unclear I mean, you know, if he had 27 children you or sometimes say oh x y or z is like you know if you're that gullible it's your fault and i sometimes counter you and i'm like no you're being harsh but exactly in this case if you and thought that the prime dick. minister was following yeah. the lockdown rules not that it's good that he's breaking them, but if you really thought that's the case, I mean, you, you can't be that gullible. <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to vote, life. for sure. You shouldn't be allowed. If you think any politician without complete supervision follows mm-hmm. any rules, yeah. you, re- you really are a child. Not that it makes it okay, but, you know, they're no, just such but bigger fish to fry and attack when it comes to their behaviors that, you know, this is just like, it, yeah, it yeah, under, I mean, yeah, for me, it undermines, like, you know, the validity of all the criticism and all that when you make such a big deal out of this. But definitely not surprising. If I was surprised, then I'd be part of the gullible yeah, <laughs> people I, I, from a different angle. Or at least now stopping, like, every day they are surprised. It's like, okay, you heard the news a week ago. Maybe you should, your mentality should adjust to the realization yeah. that politicians may lie. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Anything else to um, to mention with this Boris Johnson story? Uh, no. Uh, there was the great fun, uh, one of the funniest scene I had seen in a long time in the parliament with the, I think it was the SNP guy who was accusing Boris Johnson of lying. But according to ancient rules of the parliament, you are not allowed to call another pair member a lie like intentional no. liar so it led to some hilarious bits but i find that i really like the new speaker the old speaker john berko was this really uh, he always kept saying older, older, older. but this new guy has it's a bit more i think he's from a more working class background and he's got a very football referee vibe and he's like, oh, hey man hey man, i told you that this is not that okay i'm gonna give you another chance one more chance to take back what you say he's got a very football referee vibe yeah. his accent is more real order order okay i said order guys you know chill the fuck out and then one part he just goes uh, somebody's talking and he goes just shut up you <laughs> and it's, it's just great i love british parliament it's the best. Uh, so it's the best. I'll so try far to include that clip. The prime minister has told the house that all guidance was completely followed. There was no party. COVID rules were followed, and that I believed it was a work event. Nobody, nobody believed them then, and nobody, nobody believes you now, prime minister. That is the crux. No ifs, no buts. He has willfully, willfully misled Parliament. Order. It's bad enough. Oh, 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 oh. Order. Order. Inadvertent misled the House will be acceptable. Misled the House is not acceptable. So, so, uh, withdraw inadvertent. The Prime Minister inadvertently told the House on the 8th of December that no parties had taken place and then had to admit that they had. Public know this is a man they can no longer trust. He has been investigated by the police. He misled the House. He must now resign. Order. You'll have to withdraw that last comment. Mr Speaker, I gave the evidence of the 8th of December. Order, order. You're going to have to withdraw misled. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister has misled the House. 
Unless you withdraw, I will have to stop, and that's not good. Just withdraw the words. I am standing up for my constituents that know that this Prime Minister has lied and misled the House. Give me the paper. Give me the paper. Inadvertently misled. I'll give you one more chance. As leader of the SNP, I don't want to have to throw you out. I'm going to give you this chance. Please. Please to power. That man has misled the House. Shut up. I'm sorry it's come to this, and I'm sorry that the leader of the party has not got the decency to just withdraw those words in order that this debate can be represented by all political leaders. Would you like to inadvertently? If the Prime Minister has inadvertently misled the House, then I will state that. Right, we're going to leave it at that. Can I just say, I take it the Honourable Member has withdrawn it, the right Honourable Member. That the Prime Minister may have inadvertently misled the House. But, should, or, order. To help me, to help the House, you withdraw your early comment and replace it with inadvertently. It's not my fault if the Prime Minister can't be trusted to tell the truth. Under the power given to me by Standing Order Number 43, I order the Honourable Member to withdraw immediately from the House. From the house. Anyway. It's, it's, it's all right. We don't need to bother. Right. Let us move on. <laughs> I'll try to yeah, 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 right, That's right. funny. And it's funny. You said so. There's an old law where you can't call someone, like tell them that you're a liar. You can't call another. Apparently, I didn't <laughs> know about this. I mean, and I consider myself uh, very good at this stuff. Shit. But yeah, apparently you can't. That's why it was so funny. The guy, a couple of times he <laughs> like, at, finally he did. Actually, finally, he was like, okay, I add, add inadvertently. <laughs> I add inadvertently said. And then five minutes later, he was like, no, he is a goddamn liar. <laughs> and they kicked him out. <laughs> I feel like Glenn Greenwald came up with that law because he hates it. Yeah, like, yeah. if you know, I accuse him of lying or somebody else, he's so against that word. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't you be know, surprised if he did. His brain? Glenn Greenwald was like, yeah, back in the day before I became, you know... <laughs> Before I worked in law and became, oh yeah, I used to write laws for the British Parliament. I wouldn't be surprised. It's not surprising. It, it, to be fair, he might have done it as a part-time job yeah. when he was 15 while having a lemonade stand and also adopting stray cats to rescue. His level of productivity is not natural. Man, yesterday I listened to him on Colin. Actually, by the way, I downloaded the app. Sorry, just for oh, a segue. And Matt iPhone, Taibbi had, them, had him on. And Glenn just said, on hello. Matt has a calling. Yeah. And he invited Glenn. That's... And then Glenn just went into the Joe Rogan thing, like 30 minutes, beautiful monologue. Just That's so, man, they, it's such bullshit. Why don't they have calling on Android? I, well, Aaron Matte, Aaron Matte posts about this all the time. You can do it really? through the web browser on Android, apparently. But yeah, not the app. But apparently they're working on one. So I think no. you have to go on callin.com or whatever their website is if you're I on Android. You can only, I thought Brianna said you can only watch the show after it's done. Like like a recording of it. What, you can't may, do a call. Oh, yeah, oh, I yeah, talk true, to Matt Taibbi. <laughs> he had like friends. 15 people. Man, there was like 15 people waiting to talk. Uh, of course. Yeah, I, and there was no, <laughs> Glenn Greenwald. By the way, I would never 
to the because I never know what to like. I admire a lot of people, but that's why, by the way, we haven't invited a lot of people I admire for interviews because it's like you invite them and go, okay, you talk, I listen. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, yeah. we agree. You know, what's the point? You know, yeah. But I would like, yeah, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I, Oh, but it's gonna happen. I love no Matt Taibbi so much. He's yeah, and he had like so... twelve hundred people listening to him live, and there was a bunch awesome. of people lined up, and yeah, and Glenn was there. But his books, his shows, everything he does is so good. All right, Sam. Let's move on to another story, and I mean, this one we're just mentioning it for fun. But I mean, I listened to a little bit of it, but not even really, which was the Kyle Kalinsky and Vosh debate. And what the debate was on Ukraine, if I got it right. The, and I mean, the, greatest, the greatest debate of our generation. I'll just make my point right now qu- quickly. I don't understand the urge of like people, of non-expert people debating on a topic. Talking about a topic is not an issue, right? Presenting it is all fine. But I feel like debating, you know, you should just only really like, you know, go and have a debate on the one or two subjects that, you know, is really your focus and you know a lot. And I mean, Kyle... I'll tell you what, if Kyle like goes out and like, you know, debates about domestic U.S. policies and, you know, voting and all this, this I will say like, okay, I've seen you enough, like, you know, focus in this area and stuff will be good. But foreign policy and Ukraine and Russia, I mean, know so little about it, I feel that what's the urge of having a debate? I guess maybe Vosh challenged him or told him, but we two non-experts on a topic debating a topic, I feel like that's pushing it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I think, you know, of course, if you're doing like a show like us, you know, Kyle does all these stories that he presents, you know, he's not expert in all of those, but you read the article and you show what you've, what, you know, what you've read, what you share with the audience, but a debate, I feel like a debate. You no, know, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, first really of all, pushing it. What's up with two people who really don't know too much about something debating it. It's next level. Talking, I feel it's, even talking about it, man. I'm again, he's a, are adults learning no like they are not first yeah exactly i don't understand the point of two like uneducated like they're not even what is their anyway but uh, yeah the i watched like five seconds and there was the, it was the wash guy who and his whole attire and everything it just pisses me off that he's dressed like a hobo and uh, but talks with her and he mm-hmm. was saying dressed like dressed as a hobo mm-hmm. going don't you think, Kyle, if you, if we, I feel some of your videos have come across as pushing the Russian view as, who cares? Anyway, like <laughs> what is Kyle is brainwashing the people again? What is, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know, it was, the, yeah, the whole thing was just, uh, I mean, it just shows how, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, but I, this debate culture, yeah. I really don't get it. Like, you know, people debating in areas that they even Kyle never even himself yeah, I think I don't, has, yeah, has, I don't understand. doesn't talk you, about foreign policy much and stuff go have a debate have a conversation or something but debate I really feel like should be reserved no you, know, I you should say, debate really on something that's your main focus and stuff okay then you're like debate level but uh, yeah I would say even conversation like don't talk about shit you don't know really or don't have a strong views and just have like okay whatever i think that but i don't know rather than you know having in my view this type of policy justifies what they're talking what is this fucking a state department like yeah kyle your program with less than a million viewers i feel like some of your 
way of the you put things is a justification to normalize and manufacture consent. What are you? And Kyle talking is so about? nice to this up. guy. I don't understand why Kyle well, yeah, feels like he needs know. to be friends with this guy. Yeah, he because he, he was a douche to him. Then they invited him on the show, but like same with Crystal. <laughs> he said some really fucked up. I would say he's he's a disgusting human being just because of the things he said about other people. Like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't get stuff. the. I don't get why Kyle keeps on like as if like you know you have to maintain a relation with this guy as if he's like Bernie Sanders or someone like you know very important or like meaningful. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is really getting on my nerves. This, more like, than what is his audience level like? Less than a million? <laughs> do you think or more than a million? I don't know. Just people debating for no reason. Like I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, go bring two experts on that and host a debate on your platform. You know, you have you have some viewers. If that's what you want to do, yeah, get experts. That I definitely agree with. Yeah, yeah. It's just the debate part. I really feel like it. The people push it. I but go harsher. Yeah. Let's keep this party moving. We just have a few stories left, and then a best and worst pick of the week. So this again, I didn't watch on Useful Idiots. Unfortunately, this one really, I completely missed it. You shared it with me once, but Jordan Chariton, he came on and he spoke with Matt Taibbi and. Katie yeah, Halper, and to be fair, I do. I have forgotten most of it. So, <laughs> but he, he talked about the fact that he he does reporting on the water crisis uh, yeah. in America and the fact that there is lead found and other chemicals. And he he basically updated on the fact that the problems are still there and there are all these ways that they find of getting around connecting the water levels to the health problems that mm-hmm. people have. And basically, apparently, Obama also there's evidence that Obama like knew that nothing being is done to address the issues. But yeah, it definitely worth a shout out because I again I think he's the only one who's actually uh, out of not only one but out of a lot of people who claim to be journalists. He actually does yeah. <laughs> like okay. reporting yeah. on field reporting. That's what I. So the content was probably similar to what he discussed on Bad Faith with Brie a few days a week before. Yeah, he's doing the rounds. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. Hopefully his channel and stuff get a bit of traction by going on um, Iron Matt on speaking. Oh, yeah, and they discussed the YouTube sort of throttling of certain YouTube channels. So that we've discussed a lot, I think. Uh, Yeah, and I would say I do feel sometimes we are a victim of that, so... (laughs) So subscribe, like, do, share, whatever. Yeah, please do. I sometimes feel victim too, but then I look, I'm like, okay, all these other people are not are unsubscribed and YouTube showed their stuff to them and they still didn't subscribe. So yes. I don't know. Let's move on from this conversation. I think we've done it. I had it a few times. If you don't mind. And I think our last story before pick of the week is Nina Turner. I think you might have a few words you want to share about her. So uh, it's kind of because I don't think we have tweets this week, but we can no. start with a tweet that I shared with you. Uh, she's okay. The news, the headline is that she's running again for the same Senate seat, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, Senate, Chantel, right? yeah. yeah, Chantel Brown. So she's back on interviews. And this time around, or unlike her last campaign, it seems she's going hardcore. And oh, what was the tweet? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the one about cannabis, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So she tweeted, legalizing cannabis is not enough. Expunging records isn't enough. 
we also must make the cannabis industry equitable for the communities that have been torn apart by its criminalization. Yeah. First of all, maybe like really, uh, maybe you should start walking before running. All right. Let's get elected first. Let's legalize. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be happy with the legalization first. Right. She's getting a bit outflanked by Chantal Brown because she uh, Chantal oh, really? signed up to the Medicare for all bill. And in her interviews, she's so throwing shades at her. Like, yeah, I'm glad she's following my lead coming into the water when the water is not too cold or too hot anymore and all is that. Is Chantel Brown saying that or Nina Turner? No, no, Nina Turner Nina is Turner. saying that, yeah. But to be honest, even though I think Nina Turner is the better candidate between the two, I must say, how should anybody even for a second trust you? You're, as soon as your campaign got some traction last time around, your rhetoric changed like that to something far more uh, uh, you know, conciliatory towards the mainstream. So now she's doing all this. No, we need leadership. We need somebody who's a fighter. I'm a fighter. Really? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's so just, yeah. yeah I, I guess we'll see this do, time do they, around. Do they think people have a goldfish sort of a, <laughs> a style memory? Like we, it was less than a year ago, I yeah. believe, her campaign. And going returning to our is our children learning and stuff the reason why i don't take her seriously just go watch her interview with jeremy corbyn and it's so interesting jeremy corbyn talking about the leftist history so in the is US. that the one she did um with uh, on behalf TYT. of tyt she went to the uk like a few months ago yeah yeah and then uh, yeah watch that interview this is not a serious person who knows much about the left or anything like that these are activists turned politicians who are really interested in their own careers that's it so yeah in that interview she betrays the lack of knowledge of the left uh, it's so funny jeremy corbyn mentions tony ben and by the way if you're leftist and don't know about tony ben educators it's the best well you know i told you about i told him, so you know i'm not good with names a, then though tell me he's the aristocrat british guy sort of He's so Which good. one though? He that was, wasn't a good he, description. <laughs> like uh, a million of them. I don't know. I gave his name. He was he was Jeremy Corbyn, sort of sort of role model. They used to be part oh, okay. of the same clique. He was. It's it's too long. I can't go into it right now. He did the Ali G interview. He's oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he's genuinely one of the best leftists ever. But uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. So okay. I, by the way, I am so harsh. <laughs> no, I'm one of them too, I guess. <laughs> I am such a dick. I know. But anyway, I, I, I feel like, yeah, it's, I hope maybe, maybe it's last campaign has educated her and she's actually become a better fighter and all that. So yeah. let's hope for that. But it feels like they are, they are expecting us to forget everything like every three weeks. Yeah, exactly. So let's see if she has like that. I guess that ad- attitude that you had on that CNN interview that everybody loved and that we talked about last week, you know, with Joe Manchin's aide, where she, you know, yeah, went all out on. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, just the, running so it wasn't soon Joe again. Manchin's aide. Let's clarify. He was Joe Manchin's archaeologist <laughs> slash. <laughs> slash strategist. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I was your advisor. And, you know, I've never been involved in politics, so I shouldn't be anyone's advisor. However, you you just lost there. I mean, I get that there's another opportunity to go for it again, but losing twice again there, that might be very bad for her, you know, for her career still going forward. Maybe she should and now just she's fighting a incumbent. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, well, last time they didn't know you could spend money in politics. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> this time. Oh, shit. That, that you're allowed oh, wow. to buy ads. So let's see. Okay, I thought I'm harsh, but I'm glad you're <laughs> equally harsh. So no, but I love that explanation. It was just funny. Like everybody was like, so the last minute money came in, they bought the ads. I'm like, yeah, you didn't see that coming. <laughs> but okay, Sam, let's move on to pick of the week, best and worst. Who should go first? Two. I think last time you did. Um, You went first, so I'll go first. And since we have two bests, I'll mention my first best, which is <laughs> my first best, I guess, is a realist, John John Mearsheimer. And I'm sure a lot of people know about him. And he's a, I guess, he's an international relations professor. And there's a lot of great lectures about him. And, you know, it's just funny because realists are supposed to, you know, they, in international relations, at least, which is different than being a realistic person. That's not what realism really means. It's a in, school in, of thought. Yeah, yeah. In international relations, it's yeah. different than that. And they pretty much put the state at, you know, the heart of international relations. And they say the state is important and you need to be as strong as possible in order to get what you want from other states. So it kind of sounds like a very, like, pro-war-y kind of like you know and first you know and you just like hear about it like that and then there's liberalism which came about later and they say well and both of them are quite descriptive based on my understanding theories like they're not necessarily like normative saying how it should be they're descriptive because no, no. liberalism no, no. Uh, they are they are normative too as normative well, too but i'll talk about it okay uh, yeah yeah sure let so, me just finish with the liberalism thing yeah. but yeah i But just because it's descriptive to a certain extent, because like the liberalism um, school of thought there starts by like this observation of them saying, based on my understanding, that no states are no longer only the important actors. And now there's like international organizations and corporations and all this. And they can be it's not about how strong and powerful your state is. Right. So that kind of sounds like they're less into war. But when you hear John Mearsheimer speak, at least at times, you would it's think it's just this anti-war, like lefty talking, although he's just probably reaching those conclusions, like saying the Iraq war isn't good or bad, not because you shouldn't attack another country, but because it weakened the U.S. So he kind of reaches that point from there. So he's not necessarily anti-war. It's just it's just funny when you listen to him, you, know, you would think... Yeah, you wouldn't think, but yeah, exactly. They're realists, which doesn't necessarily, I guess, mean that they're, they're pro-war. <laughs> no, no. That's yeah. it's fascinating you say that. It, my when I went to university, my professor Justin Rosenberg in international relations, and I was such a dick, by the way. I hope <laughs> I can apologize because I used to be a right-wing person, one of those assholes in seminars that always questioned everything. And, so, and yeah, you guys love apologies. to talk huh, from the get-go. And you're not typically one of them, but usually these right-wingers who talk a lot in these classes, they're also very much against Amsterdam and the fact that weed is legal there. So I don't no, know. No, no, I was not. That was, I am, for some I am reason, that's very say, close to their heart as well, yeah, based on my observation reason, yeah. in classes. Yeah, no, yeah. Amsterdam no. are changing the laws. You can no longer smoke weed there, okay? <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> no, I would say I was always, and I'm glad about that, I was always, even when I was right-wing, I was libertarian, right? Okay. It has some self-respect, I would say. <laughs> But yeah, um, uh, sorry, Justin Rosenberg, he, he's a famous person on the left. He has come up with a theory that I actually 
hope to do one day PhD, my PhD sort of on his on the basis of his idea of the uneven and combined development. It's a thing that Trotsky came up with mm-hmm. about the it's a his theory of history. Uh, but he he got his he became famous. One of the first articles he wrote with some other guy was an interview they did with Kenneth Waltz, who was considered the patriarch of the realist school before he passed out. And Kenneth Waltz famously, Justin Rosenberg, I remember this specifically in the interview that he says that, yeah, exactly. We thought you're realist. You're going to be like pro-war and stuff. And I found, I think it was Vietnam War or the first Iraq War, I forget, that you oppose these wars. And it's so fascinating to us from left perspective that you, and it was like, yeah, of course I oppose them because I think it doesn't serve the interest of the state. And uh, I would say that's why I say it was normative as well. Mm. So they say that not only that of course it's an accurate descriptions that the states are by far the leading international actors, but also it's uh, normative in a way that it says that's how any state leader should operate. That's that's the that's the reality that they should operate based on. They shouldn't put any faith in international institutions, in negotiations, in treaties, in that type of thing. So it's normative in that sense. But it is, in, as you said, it, in most cases, it comes out as a form of a, a statist conservatism, mm-hmm. in, in isolationist. So liberalism, far more aggressive in its international outlook because it's much more about expanding its values i mean yeah French exactly. i forgot about that part of the when i was describing you know, the the two theories yeah and yeah. for liberal at least john mearsheimer talks about that a lot you know for liberals it's about going and making other places liberal at least they want that which means regime change which means um war and you know he made yeah. the joke that there's like no war that liberal wouldn't um, like want to get that. him yeah yeah that's true because they i mean unless you have a whole liberal world then and then you're done yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his lectures are great and there are so many i'm sure people have seen them, awesome. i was listening to this one i mean i couldn't believe it was from four years ago man this guy was ahead of his time he was talking four or five years ago about ukraine and of course the stuff with the ukraine goes back to 2015 the latest round but yeah. I like halfway through I checked I was like oh my god this lecture is from four years ago man he was spot so on and spot it was on. I thought it was literally talking about right now but he he, he was yeah he, he was just I mean uh, yeah that's why by the way I I'm sure he has a lot of flaws and stuff if you know listen more to his things but yeah, but, but just international relations or academia as a whole is on a different level than the debates that goes on on uh, media, not just even mainstream media. That's why I hope maybe one day, maybe tiny bit, us and our five subscribers mm-hmm. can play a role in bringing <laughs> some level of more academic stuff because academia is just so much ahead and it's so cool, so much cooler. Nobody's talking about values. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about interests and you well, know, some areas they so are. They cool. do talk about values, yeah, I guess, yes, and stuff. Of but course. yeah, no. But yeah, he, it's basically he, he, it's basically risk for real. You play risk mm-hmm. as a job. It's awesome. And I have a feeling it's hard to get for interviews, John Mearsheimer, because otherwise I can so popular. see Aaron Matta getting him on pushbacks. That's why, based on that, I feel like uh, he must be really hard to get. And I feel like That's if you email point. him, he'll just be like, "Go watch this lecture of mine that has like 
a lot of views for lectures, like hundreds of thousands. Some he's of a them big, more. He's a big figure on the mm-hmm. realist school of IR, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's a big figure. No, okay, great stuff. Let's move on to our second best of the week, which is Aaron Mate's dad, right? Gabor Mate. Gabor like Mate. You've, oh, I haven't yet to listen to this. So he, he went on Katie Halper's show, right? Yeah, it was a great interview. They mostly talked about his personal life and personal experience, some of which was fascinating to hear about. And it wasn't just one of those shitty uh, interviews that they talk about how difficult their life was. He was actually like discussing it in a way to draw something from it mm-hmm. in, a, in a genuine way and in a useful way, I would say. Uh, but he, first of all, I would say you presented his ideas far worse than he did. He comes across as the most sober-minded yet passionate. Like he mixes coolness with passion in such a nice way. Yeah, like, yeah. So he's like the coolest passionate guy I've seen. Like, yeah, man, I don't really get emotional. I don't. My voice is very cool. I don't. I have any facial expressions, but I believe that you should be passionate about preserving human lives <laughs> in everywhere they are. And it's so good. And yeah. it's so good. No, and that's I funny think, you say that because I got the rem- same impression. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just, he reminded me, he reminds everyone, I think, of the import, real importance of Holocaust and why everybody should learn about, should, uh, yeah, learn about it, including Whoopi Goldberg and how it can be actually a very useful like something that you draw lessons from instead of draw hatred from as some people do <laughs> but but how did he describe himself professionally in that interview like what I, oh, I fully, what did he yeah. say he he exactly i think psychology I'm, or psychiatry <laughs> i don't remember katie introduced her but i don't remember how it was but you're so, you listen to him once and he's definitely like a, a figure that you really like and you really enjoy listening to him because I, I, I haven't read anything he's written or anything. Yeah. I just saw this interview, so I but, don't know. But yeah, he seems genuine. He seemed very uh, passionate. He seemed very sober minded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, no, I got the exact same kind of impression because I saw him for the first time maybe 10 years ago on Democracy Now! And he left like a big impression on me. And then He's not necessarily in news and politics. So it's not like no, no, you see him every day on YouTube. So I don't think I even saw something from him since then, but I completely remember I, his demeanor and the way he explains stuff and talked about stuff. It, how Jordan Peterson is like more popular than him. I, I assume they're in similar sort of fields and they're both Canadian. So I mean, it's that's clear. Why it's, it's, so, I mean, I know you know the answer, but. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Majority of people are still. <laughs> no, that's one way that's the answer right no. that's that was no. 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 <laughs> i got the wrong lesson again oh right. <laughs> the defenses on jordan peterson i mean i don't want to open now let's leave it for another time when we joking. do jordan I'm peterson joking, by the yeah. way. <laughs> let's move on to our worst pick um sam ah uh, yeah to your worst so, pick i guess well i mean mine too i don't mind <laughs> sorry i oh wow where is it it's Glenn's critique anyway. Oh, yeah. It, no, sorry. I didn't. I thought it was two. I didn't have the other one in my document. No, we did yeah. John Mearsheimer and Gabor Mate as the best pick of the week. I thought we had two critical stuff, but okay. No, no we yeah. did have two, but one of them already did it. My mind oh, was, yeah. since you brought it up, was the Whoopi Goldberg's final thoughts on the Colbert show. Uh, <laughs> where she ends up with, whatever, I just won't talk about it anymore. I mean... <laughs> 
the most apology for like even a spoiled nine-year-old wouldn't talk like that so that was my worst but we've already talked about it so much so we can like you're disparaging nine-year-olds but yeah so uh yeah glenn had one of the best critiques ever on and what the hell, man? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, this is, a, I'm, I'm going to be critical of Glenn now. I'm going to break the table. And you have to pick better critics. What is this guy? He but, was the, I mean, I really wanted to give him a spanking just because he's like, what, five years old? He has re- read probably nothing, it seems, in his whole life. And he, uh, 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 yeah, Glenn. Glenn, huh, Glenn, you went on Tucker, and I think, huh, 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 I think this is a pretty close. Huh, huh. You didn't say that, so you kind of, you kind of did endorse it, didn't you? <laughs> uh, uh. This condescending, patronizing little, little nitwit, really, with a nitwit that needs a spanking and that has no knowledge. I mean, you say that you shouldn't, like, you should, you know, be, if you want to debate something, you should be. You know, somewhat informed. This yeah. motherfucker has he has no like he hasn't read what Glenn writes. He hasn't watched the shows that maybe he should read the book or at least watch a full show before he's. Uh, uh, yeah, Glenn, I think uh, yeah you're being disingenuous. Uh, and the that, confidence uh, on this kid to just yeah, keep on confidence. going with his questions. And apparently, Glenn said that Glenn wanted to bury yes. this interview. But this kid kept on emailing yeah, yeah, him emailing and him. asking him to really put it on. And the kid kills me. You see his face. You have his first name. I'm sure. But he yeah, decided yeah. he didn't want his last name no, to that, be exposed. Wait, wait. No, no, wait. I was going to. I have a whole bit. Oh, this kid is a, one of the most. I would say he's probably one of the uh, best people. Like him and James Bond, who he, wherever he goes, he introduces himself. <laughs> like he's a undercover agent like, who are you james bond <laughs> okay now everybody knows but, so him and james bond are competing for the most mysterious man ever he's like yeah i don't want i don't want anything about my family name to be disclosed and then his face is on camera and he, he's real, like who, like who are you trying to hide from the people you're trying to hide from can find you like that <laughs> based on your name and uh, oh my god this kid man he got this new generation i'm i'm scared of him. arrogant it's all generations so of themselves. no it's all, all gen- no no yeah. i'm just saying i'm yeah i'm turning into an old man and becoming afraid of i mean the arrogant little creep <laughs> fuck he was so creepy as well yeah the whole the poor kid uh, was, uh, was uh, <laughs> it really wasn't a pleasure I, looking I, at him it's just because he was yeah that yeah, you know, i mean i'm again i'm such a dick myself mm-hmm. but i feel like i waited mm-hmm. enough long enough before going public with my dickness to have <laughs> enough like information this guy you need to yeah you need to at least bulk up if you want to be that's <laughs> oh my god but but i think these are i don't think glenn is picking the worst i don't know i mean now the other guy yeah, who yeah, came on before the other him guy was so nice yeah he was so yeah. nice yeah he was extremely his kid was so rude <laughs> so but i'm expecting he, he'll become a regular uh host on tyt any day yeah. now, oh my god i swear to i god. promise you they're gonna have him featured like as anybody who says anything bad about glenn or anything like that they have them 
as a guest host like yeah. the next day. So and they have to be a guest host. They can't be a guest. No. <laughs> they go straight to guest hosting on TYT for some reason. Full. You got you've been hired for a full year. <laughs> That's how they blow through the 20 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Chillax, you have enough hosts. <laughs> That's not the issue here. <laughs> <laughs> everyone has to be a host on that show anyway. yeah, it's, it's a broad church <laughs> yeah <laughs> but okay sam good stuff i yeah, think we I, went through everything it was a fun one any yeah, final words a, yeah we need to start criticizing more right-wing people i feel like it's just because we consume mostly left-wing yeah. media that's the reason and we don't want to do extra research for our work so <laughs> And you have to watch so much mainstream media or like Man, Fox yeah. or like read this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, right wing stuff, like what? Yeah. It's too difficult to like, <laughs> I can't watch Tucker Carlson. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, man has his limits. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, please leave your comments, questions, criticisms, everything oh. down below. We'll make sure to get to them. If not, thank you for watching. Please like and subscribe and we'll see you in our next video. Thank you.